Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Hey, if you guys would, let's go ahead and get our Bibles. We're going to dig in a little bit uh, into 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look, we're looking for there. Um, again, no, not Matthew, not Mark, not Luke, not John, but stepping off, I, th- I thought today, uh, just praying through things, I want to go a little bit deeper when it comes to some of the thoughts that Amy was sharing with us. Um, bless you. And this is also um, kind of priming up. We're actually going to rehit this topic in the Sermon of the Mount here in a, uh, about a month, month and a half. But um, repriming some things that we're heading towards with Easter as well. So I'll explain that as we get closer to that that time together. But right now we're going to be in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Everybody good? Seems like the front row is getting a little, little wild. You guys good? You got it? Okay. <laughs> I tease you more, but you got your cane. Okay. So let's do what we usually do. We're going to read a little, talk a little, and see what we have here, but we're primarily looking at the topic of generosity today. So as Paul writes to the, the church in Corinth, he says this. We, Paul and his uh, comrades there, they, we want you to know, brothers or sisters, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, and I can testify beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. In this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he could complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So before we start turning that part, I'm going to ask a question because you guys already start to be rambunctious for the day. What would you want this community to say about TSF? What do, you, what do you guys want to be known for? What do you want them to say about us? What do you think? This is, yes, I'm... What's that? Like you want us to talk about Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that surprises Katie because I'm usually... No, I'm just kidding. So I thought you had an answer, but you didn't. You just clarified my comment. Come on now. What do you want the community to say about us? Tommy. That we're a very spiritual church. Spiritual church. Gotcha. Cool. Good. I like that one. What else? Yep. Monty. Okay, awesome. Friendly. Friendly. Giving. Giving. What else? Community-oriented. Community-oriented, okay. Have we care? Okay, what else? (laughs) (laughs) What's that? Generous and free. Generous and free. Awesome. Mike, come on, you got to have an answer. Well balanced, okay. But what you said, genuine, okay. Okay. Now, so here's the thing: if that, that's what we want them to say about us, that's what we need to be, right? I mean, it's just like the old. But uh, again, my years of retail management. There was a period of time we were real big on the Franklin 
planners, whether the Franklin something planners, Monica loves them. And uh, one of the theories within that is, is you write your own eulogy as part of the training, and then the thing becomes how do you live that way so they actually will say that about you. It's kind of the same thing here. But what we have in chapter 7 on this particular point is Paul saying to the Corinthians, and I think a little way of complimenting them, but also I think setting them up a little bit for a point he's trying to make, is he's saying, look, I, I sent Titus to you, and I sent with him this offering, this giving, that the churches of the Macedonia did. And the most thrilling part from what I'm hearing so far is this trip is I told him great things about you guys and you were great to him. I mean, it, it was just, you guys are what I bragged on you about. You guys are exactly where need to be. We always have areas of growth, but he just for a whole chapter is talking about you are the real deal. You really, but Titus is blown away and encouraged by what you guys have. And then off of that, he starts talking a little bit about this generosity or the offering of the churches of Macedonia. So to understand the generosity of Macedonia, we have to understand a little bit about Macedonia and a little bit about the Corinthians. Macedonia um, is a grouping of churches. You're going to, like if you look at Philippians, the church of Philippi is the Macedonia church. Uh, if you look at Thessalonians, uh, that, that's churches within the Macedonia churches. If you look at Berea, Berea is one of these churches. But the biggest thing to know about these particular churches is they were poverty areas and they were Gentile believers. And opposite, Corinth is mostly predominantly Jewish and they are Jewish believers who are following Christ now. And they aren't Jerusalem, it's not the capital, it's not like they're rich beyond belief, but it's nowhere near the turmoil and the struggle that the Macedonian churches are going through. We actually uh, see in First Thessalonians, Paul talking about some of the struggles they have. There's one in Acts, make sure I get this right for you, Acts 17, talking about the struggles they go through. So what he's saying is this is an incredible act where these churches of these Gentile believers who are under great affliction heard that you had some people in Corinth that were poor, and they wanted to take care of them. And the thing that's crazy about it is I didn't ask them to. I didn't challenge them to. I didn't command them to. They heard about your need, and they said, we've got to do something about this. And he said the other part that's crazy about that is they didn't really have much against, so they gave what they could, and then they gave more. Because I was just blown away at their generosity. They, they, they said, we've got to help out in this particular situation. And so it wasn't just like, okay, I've got 35 cents in my, you know, ashtray as I'm passing that guy on the street corner by, by Walmart. It, it is, we've got to do something for our brothers and our sisters. Now, the thing on top of that is I keep saying that the Jewish believers and Gentile believers for a reason. We know that the first century church had a serious problem when it came to prejudice between Jewish believers and Gentile believers. That for generations... The Israelites have been God's chosen people. God's purpose of that is so everybody else could see this is what it looks like to follow me and woo the world to him. Problem is, is they thought, no, we're special and you guys are not God's people. And so when Jesus opened up the, the door with the fulfillment and Gentiles are being grafted into the family, there's a lot of struggle there. What, what do they do? They have to be circumcised. You're not quite the same Christian as I am. I had a lot of different struggles within it. And so the Gentile believers did go through a lot of struggle with the Jewish believers. So now... We've got people that are in deeper poverty than the people in Corinth who have been talked about, joked about, and looked down upon by the people of Corinth saying, that's my brother, that's my sister, whatever it takes to give generosity. So it's a huge testimony 
that Paul is celebrating so that they can kind of get the point that maybe we can go a little bit deeper in our generosity in some other areas of the church as well. Does that make sense? Is, I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful testimony. Again, testimonies are great. All of us have a testimony. If you've come to Jesus by knowledge with the mouth, he's the son of God. Believe in your heart, he died and rose again. You're, you're God, I'm not, I'm going to follow you. All of us have a testimony of salvation, but we've got a million testimonies of whenever Jesus makes a difference in our lives. That we're not just encouraged by personally, but we're in charge and responsible to share with others. And this is a great example of seeing Paul do that. So I want to do a little bit of a uh, more condensed message time, so you're not out of here at three. Um, but, but I do want to make sure that we get some, some points out of this section for us to consider as the Spirit moves today. So uh, in usual fashion, since we do have several note-takers in the house, uh, and if you're not, you should be, um, just some bullet points, not nine, not eight. That's the last two weeks. We got a little crazy the last couple of weeks. Uh, but we do have four. So we'll put up our screen and we'll talk about them as we go. If you want to be able to live in generosity like the Macedonian churches, if you want to take things to the next level, if you want to rise up to the opportunities and, and even a little bit of the challenges, things like Luke uh, 311 ministries, uh, these are some things to consider. The first one is this. Just start, uh, this is no-brainer, be generous. If you want to be generous, you want people to say you're generous, you want to have this church be generous, which is made up by you and me and all of us as individuals, then the first step is be generous. Now, when it comes to generosity, we're not just talking cash. We're not just talking money. There's a lot of different ways to be generous, being an ear, volunteering. There's a lot of ways to be generous. But in this context, Paul is, is focused on the financial, so we're going to focus a little bit more on the financial end of things than anything else, that we need to be generous when it comes to finances. And one of the things that we find is in this culture, we talk about this a lot, and we don't even realize it. Um, this last Wednesday night, Jenny shared a little bit with me after you guys' uh, community night. I wasn't in the room, but she was sharing a little bit about different things that happened. And one, one of the things that happened was a conversation in this ballpark. And I kind of changed the topic, not because I'm always that rude to my wife, uh, <laughs> just sometimes. But uh, no, I, I, I didn't want to get too far into who said what. Because I also knew I was talking about this week, and I didn't want to get up here and like, then people were like, oh, he's talking about me because I said this or I said that. Probably, but I'm hiding. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know who said what, so no one get mad at me for that. There's plenty of other reasons to get mad at me. That's, th this is not one of them. But, uh, and, and I don't know in depth, but it, it was something about the li lines of people in poverty and how do we work with uh, you know, people in poverty, and that, that ends up starting to go into our politics, and it starts going into the way that we were raised, and it goes into our heritage, and the, what we were taught, and our examples, and whatnot. It affects, affects so much more than what we think when we're reading something like this. But the, the reality is, we are supposed to be taking care of people. We, we just are. And so if we're talking about something like welfare, that can be a huge hot-button topic for everybody. And I'll tell you, me standing up here, I don't like people abusing systems. I don't. I'm all about continue to work on that system and make it harder and harder to abuse. But I'm a person who would rather be used once than miss somebody's need once. Okay? And that, that's the same with here. We work with Love Week. We work with different ministries in town to help people. But if I got something on the spot and the Holy Spirit says, you're supposed to be involved in the situation, I'd rather find out five hours later that they used me than if it was a real need and I didn't help out. 
Because realistically, the only control I have is me doing what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. Whatever they do with it, that's between them and the Lord. They can have that conversation, right? So I understand making sure that things are legit, but we've got to watch as Christians saying, well, I was raised, you work for your money, you've got to take care of your family, and I'm a man, and all this other stuff that we were raised with, uh, which is part of the American dream, by the way. It's just not necessarily always biblical. Uh, when we take it to the point that I don't want to work and my tax dollars pay for you to feed your family when you're not working. Out of all the things my tax dollars go to, please help people. Please help people. I see things on the news. I don't talk about politics up here a lot, and I never will, but I watch the news. I'm decently educated on these things. There's a lot of things I wish we didn't want spending our money on. But taking care of a family that doesn't have food, I'm all in. So we have to kind of make sure that like the Jewish believers who have this heritage and these years and generations a certain understanding that that understanding does not block us from being generous. Well, I don't know if that give that guy over the corner of Walmart $5, who's to say he's just not going to go buy alcohol? He might. But if Jesus puts on your heart to do it, that's all you got to worry about. Be generous people, and that's how they're going to see us. Um, so, let me go to number two. Be rich in generosity. Basically the exact same thing. Um, but here's the thing. I think there's something within many of us. I mean, other, some people are much better generosity than others. But in many of us, we're, um, how we define generosity is more safe than the generosity we're actually talking about here. It, it, there's, there's something about where, um, like if I got that extra $5 sitting there and the guy, well, that, once you give it to him, then you're like, well, I'm out. That's all I can do. You got $3,000 in the ATM. I mean, I'm not saying you're supposed to go give it to the guy. I'm just saying don't, don't, don't close up shop too early. God might have something more for you. The, the Macedonian churches said, here is all of our excess. It's not much, but here's all of our excess. But here's the stuff that hurts. And now we've got something abundant to bless somebody else with. Sometimes we are called to do more than what we think is comfortable to be able to do. I know we all get paychecks and we all have our money and we all got our bills. I fully get that. But keep in mind that that money was never yours to begin with. It's not something that you've earned. It's something you've taken the gifts and the talents that your God has given you to be able to earn a paycheck, and then well, I'm a steward of that paycheck, which includes my bills, but also includes helping others. So to, to be able to go to that level of what the Macedonian churches are here, I think is challenging. I think it's challenging. It stretches us a little bit. Um, again, what, there's a lot of... I probably should just brought Jenny up here for, the, for this, because... She, with loving, she's extremely educated and knowledgeable on the downsides of generosity, of how it can hurt people and, and put people in situations where they can't get on their own feet. But if the Holy Spirit's leading, he's going to lead correctly. And that's the part that we're leading after here. I'll give you some examples recently. Well, one we celebrated already a couple of weeks ago, but it just really hit the spot for me um, where we got the two big boxes of like juice and snacks and everything for TSF kids. Uh, through, uh, uh, through Amazon, they, like what you're talking about, the Amazon wish list, they just sent it to the church. Uh, it's an anonymous person, but I know who it is. And as I shared then, it's not somebody who has a lot of excess. Um, matter of fact, I actually called them and said, are you sure? 
Uh, and then they said, yes. Uh, that's someone that's giving out of their need. And I'll be honest, usually people who have been through need are better at giving than people who've not. Um, we, we, we tend to see that quite a bit. Uh, a couple of things just within the church, again, because I have a limited view in, into some, some areas. But um, this past Tuesday, I sent out our weekly TSF, like, ties and offering uh, update. Each week we send, send out what's going on, celebrate things, talk about needs, and email. And uh, we finished up the month. We had the four Sundays. And we have two goals. We have the goal of what we need to not take out, like, a savings account that exists. And then our, our goal, which is kind of our healthy spot, and that's where the extra money goes into the percentages of the youth group and the worship team and the TSF kids and some different areas, uh, including a, a boost in what we put away for the Stephen Fund that helps people in need. And uh, we were $757.50 shy of the, the, the healthy goal. And, um, but the thing with how we do our finances here is that the month of giving is not closed when it comes to online giving till the end of the month. So we said we still got three or four days if any, you know, if anybody's still giving, tithing, so that could change. Uh, and sure enough, that's how God works. One donation, $757.50 to the T. Again, not saying who was in on it, but this is somebody that a couple of years ago that was sitting at a restaurant and we were talking about tithes and offerings and giving to God. And she was trying to figure out all these things that her family was. Uh, and and have really seen a, a lot of blessing and has some testimonies for that. But uh, she's not somebody who generally has extra money. You know, the family's not necessarily in that ballpark. Got a bonus at work, $7,500. Added a few dollars to it. God took care of the family. God takes care of the church. It's just neat how generosity works all the way through. On top of that, we also had another uh, uh, family who uh, made up, uh, I think, like three weeks of tithing because they're having problems with the bank. Uh, and you might say, well, you know, that's just tithing. And that's just, a, uh, just to be honest, like 95% of the time, if somebody misses a tithe, they never make it up. To me, it's a miracle that somebody made up tithes. Um, so God, God's been gracious by being gracious to you guys and, th and through. So I just love how that generosity works. But again, that's just within the church context. Uh, but again, make sure there's a balance in this. Um, some people take and put themselves in a great need when they're not supposed to. Look at uh, verse 13 of 14. Uh, Paul is very clear within this. I, I do not mean that others should be eased and you should be burdened. That, that's a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. And I, I, again, I know people that keep themselves in horrible spots because of what they want to do for others. If you have an extra 20 bucks and... Um, Let's say you can either pay your $20 electric bill. Who has a $20 electric bill? These are horrible examples. And um, or pay somebody else's electric bill. Unless the Holy Spirit shows up with ID, you pay your electric bill. That's your, that's your responsibility or whatnot. If uh, you go to Applebee's and you spend 50 bucks and you don't think twice about it, it might be nice to be able to help out somebody with the $20. I mean, that's easy. That's easy. Uh, but if you're somebody who's always in need and you love Applebee's and you never get to go, it's been a couple of years since you've been able to afford to go to Applebee's and you get a birthday card with 20 bucks in it and you're thinking, yeah, I could go to Applebee's. That's my gift. And some, you have a friend that's in need for $20, that takes the Holy Spirit. 
That takes the Holy Spirit. I mean, anything above the time is used to figure out what the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying we should have, have that conversation instead of just blocking him off real quick. Okay, so with that, make sure you have the Holy Spirit guidance in there. He's very clear as he goes through this. They gave themselves first to the Lord, then to the will of God. They did not give outside of the will of God. They just simply followed the Spirit. Number three, have a right heart in generosity. Have the right heart in generosity. 1 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is a famous voice for one reason, is because we're always busted out if we're having a debate or a conversation on whether or not tithing is still in place. That's when I hear this voice every time, and it's usually... And, and again, I could easily stand up here and make a biblical argument both ways. So I'm not trying to beat up anybody. Their opinion's different than mine. Uh, but it's usually thrown out as if I'm commanded to tithe, then how can I have a cheerful heart about it? I'm commanded to pray. I'm commanded to evangelize. I'm commanded to worship my God. I do it with cheerful hearts. It's really not that big. Of, you know what I mean? So uh, that, that's not that's the, the, the strongest argument with it and it also is out of context because here it's talking about generosity not anything to do with the church and so here what he's saying is that we're not supposed to be reluctant about giving and helping other people that we are supposed to be doing it out of generosity that just comes out naturally for us so um, that's definitely something that we have to bring in if we have the right heart everything else actually becomes quite easy and number four the promise to number four be motivated by generosity. Be motivated by a testimony like this. Be motivated by what Luke 311 Ministries is doing and what they're sharing with you. Be motivated by what we're seeing within the community. Um, this, this thing, it's interesting. It's real easy to, to kind of miss it, and I did for a long time. If you look in verse 7, and again, Paul's doing this from a very gracious standpoint. He says, listen, you excel in faith and speech and knowledge and earnestness in the, uh, and in our love for you. So see that you excel in this act of grace always. If you look at the specific things he said they excel in, they're good things. You, you excel in speech and knowledge. You know the right things and you talk about it a lot. You, you, you excel in faith. You trust God. You love God. You want to follow God and you exceed in your earnestness to follow God. Now do something. Now do something. Everything else that he lists is not an action word. You know all the right stuff. You have the right heart for all the right stuff. Now grow in your grace of how you take care of one another in the community that is around you. Um, okay, I'm going to have to be mindful of this because I don't want to slip too much into some of the things I'm going to share with you guys uh, in a week and a half. Um, at the communion Monday, Thursday event. Put it on your calendars. Okay, so the... Um, we were having a staff meeting a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Katie, our youth minister, Mike, our worship pastor, Miss Audrey, uh, our, our, lead, our coordinator for the TSF Kids and myself. Um, and we're brainstorming, we're talking about the different areas, and we're celebrating some things, we're talking about concerns in other areas and whatnot. And the question comes up of how do we continue to like reach people and give them a Christian community. Because part of the ministry we do is just in the community. They're not ever supposed to walk into this church unless God brings them to this church. But we also do want to provide Christian community for people. That's the importance of the church. 
Uh, and so how do we do that? And we've, we've been blessed. To, I mean, like I look around the room now, I see several faces that I didn't know a year ago. Uh, we're, we're blessed with that. Um, but like, what's the best way to continue doing that moving forward and inviting people into Christian community and, and, and seeing that as part of our family? And my response is the same as it always is. The number one absolute number one way to reach people for Christian community and for Christ is you guys and me as an individual. All of us as individuals. Relational evangelism by far is the number one way that we reach people for Christ. They know your testimony. They watch your life. Hopefully that's a good thing. Uh, you're the one that invites them. Even the stats tell us the majority of people would accept an invitation to go back to church, to give another try. In other words, they've been hurt by church before. If someone they knew and respected and thought was the real deal invited them to go to church. That's what you guys do. I, I don't care whatever Facebook booster post we do. I don't care any event that we have. That, that's the number one way that we reach people. What we do as a church is twofold. One, teach and equip and send out. That, that, that's the role of the pastor more than anything else. Teach, equip, and send out. And two, provide some backing and some reasons to believe if, if you're talking to somebody about our church. For instance, um, there's two reasons, probably more than two, but two reasons I want to be involved with Luke 3.11 on the, this drive is because, one, we support what they're doing, and they're doing great work, and we can be a part of that. Secondly, you go back to your break room or your lunch room at school, and you're talking to somebody and say, hey, why don't you come to my church for Easter? Well, what church you go to? Shepherd's Fellowship. Isn't that the people on Facebook that won't shut up about peanut butter and jelly? Yep, that's us. Come. Come. We'd love to see you. It gives reasons to believe that there's something different than what they've experienced before if they've been hurt by church before, hurt by Christianity. And so there's something within all this where something's got to switch in us when it comes to moving into this room. And that's about as close as I'm going to get to that Thursday night talk. When we're moving into the room more of generosity, something's got to switch. Something's got to light that room up. And it will not be me talking about it this morning. It's going to be something that switches in you between you and the Holy Spirit that gives you a heart for generosity and you decide you're going to go crazy with it. Finances, time, whatever the case may be. That you're going to follow him on it. He gives us like seven different areas. It's not because we get to pick one. It's supposed to be generous in all of them. But nonetheless, something's got to switch. It's very much like if you're trying to lose weight. There's been many times that I decided starting next Monday, it never starts today. <laughs> so next Monday after my weekend, then this, 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 and this, and this is going to happen. And 95% of the time, what happens? We fell. We fell. It's the best of intention. We've got earnestness. We've got knowledge. We've got the speech. We've got faith. We've got all these things. But nothing changes. And anybody who has lost weight knows it's because something, somewhere inside you, something just switches. You've got to get that switch. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Something's got to happen that switches that says, this is the, this is the deal. You know, and so it's very much like this when it comes to generosity as well. There's something's got to switch between us and the Holy Spirit. He talks about that they gave as much as able. They talks about their giving beyond their ability. He talks about doing it entirely on their own. That only comes from a switch when we're possessed correctly before our God, ready for action in prayer to be able to get to that point. And I think it's a wonderful invitation that he challenges me with today, and I wanted to share with you guys as well, because the world just doesn't see it this way. 
This, is, this isn't the way of the world. The world is, is to, to hold on to it. And God says, releases it. Um, I think I got this scripture. This is the last scripture in that section. And I love this phrasing, which is great because it's the Bible. But 2 Corinthians 8.15, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, if we believe in the scripture. If you're working your butt off to gather a bunch, had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. For those who don't focus on it that way, I see the provision of God in my life. I have no lack. Godliness plus contentment is great gain. That's the life that he invites us into, invites us to be challenged with as well. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.